1: Sax and Hacks, Lord and Taylor, and Joker Stash, a department store data breach. Atlanta still can't get fully back on its feet after Sam Sam. An Indian power utility's billing data is held for ransom. More swift fraud reported. This round seems to have been unsuccessful. Russia gets doxed. Facebook on who really cares for you. Threats to avionics and undersea cables. And reality winners' defense team wants to subpoena a lot of witnesses. From the CyberWire studios at Datatribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Summary for Monday, April 2nd, 2018. A significant retail breach came to light over the weekend. Last Thursday, the Joker-Stash Hacking Syndicate, also known as Fin7, began offering more than 5 million payment cards for sale in dark web markets. The cards appear to have been compromised in a breach of retailers Sachs and Lord & Taylor, both department store chains owned by the Toronto-based Hudson's Bay Company. The breach was disclosed yesterday, April 1, 2018, in a blog post by Gemini Advisory that was subsequently confirmed by the Hudson's Bay Company. Gemini Advisory believes the compromise dates back to May 2017 and has continued into the present. Most of the card data is thought to have been stolen from customers in New York and New Jersey. 125,000 records have been released for sale so far. The rest are expected to appear on the black market within the next few months. Hudson's Bay tersely says it's addressed problems in its network security, continues to investigate and plans to offer affected customers the usual sorts of post-breach assistance, including free identity protection services, including credit and web monitoring. The SAMSAM ransomware attack against Atlanta's municipal systems is proving distinctly difficult to remediate. Updates posted to the city's ransomware cyberattack information hub suggest that online payment systems Atlanta runs remain the most affected. Airport Wi-Fi was disabled, the city say, out of an abundance of caution. They don't think personal information has been compromised, and so while they hope this will provide citizens and employees with some measure of reassurance, they caution that they are proceeding on the cautious assumption that such data may have been affected. The city is largely mum on how the attack happened, and on when they expect recovery to be complete. Investigation and remediation continue with an array of partners at federal and state level and from the private sector. Outside observers suggest that the city is running a number of disparate legacy systems and that policing all of these is an unusually messy process. Gizmodo quotes several who noticed that the attack came a couple of months after a January audit and report of Atlanta's cybersecurity pointed out a number of vulnerabilities that the city was in the process of addressing. CBS describes the report as saying inspectors found that, quote, the large number of severe and critical vulnerabilities identified has existed for so long the organizations responsible have essentially become complacent and no longer take action, end quote. Wired, quotes Perimeter Securities founder Dave Cronister as saying, quote, not to be harsh, but looking at this, their security strategy must be pretty bad, end quote. So, the city of Atlanta is still struggling to recover and other cities of comparable size are rightly spooked by the prospect that they might be next. A number of them are reassuring their citizens and business communities that they're well protected and well drilled, but the Atlanta hack is a cautionary tale and cities would be well advised not to get cocky. The issues aren't confined to the United States either. City and regional governments in many countries appear to have become attractive targets for criminal hackers. The automatic meter-reading system of Haryana Power Utilities in Pankula, India, was raided last week, the hackers demanding ransom for data. The data held hostage is billing information, which of course poses a threat to the utility's cash flow. Police are investigating and looking for the perpetrators. Officials say that the billing data was backed up and that they've been recovering from those backups. Malaysia's central bank, Bank Negara Malaysia, identified a series of fraudulent wire transfer attempts last week. Bank officials say that they stopped execution of the transfers before any money was lost, and that the attempted fraud came through falsified swift transfer requests. Banks in Southeast Asia are on alert. The Russian government is more accustomed to poning than being pwned. But the Ukrainian Cyber Alliance, a hacktivist group strongly opposed to Russia's slow-motion re-engorgement of their country, have released a third tranche of emails which observers provisionally at least judge to be authentic. The emails detail Russian information operations aimed at destabilizing and delegitimizing Ukraine's government. Two points are particularly interesting. First, the emails name the Professor Moriarty of Russian Information Operations, one Valdislav Sirkov, who the times of london describes as a kremlin spinmaster, said by some to be mr putin's rasputin the other interesting point is the online astroturfing of kinetic demonstrations and street violence they were apparently working to recruit sportsmen skilled in martial arts as muscle for protests in ukraine tensions between russia and western nations remain high after the salisbury nerve agent attacks and U.S. findings that Russia is conducting ongoing reconnaissance and battle-space preparation of American power grids. But no significant new developments, either diplomatic or cyber, have turned up so far this week. Facebook's rough ride continues. It's receiving uncomfortable attention in the UK for its failure to do something, or at least something more, about anti-Semitic content. The criticism has grown alongside the ongoing Labour Party scandal Involving scurrilous social media activity by party leaders. Facebook's CEO Mark Zuckerberg did take some shots back at Apple, which last week didn't pass up an opportunity to repeat its view that when services are free, it's the user and not the server that's the real product. Mr. Zuckerberg's rejoinder was a tu quoque of sorts Quote, I think it's important that we don't get all Stockholm syndrome and let the companies that work hard to charge you more convince you that they actually care more about you." He's looking at you, Mr. Cook. Mr. Zuckerberg also claimed that Facebook was looking out for the many people who can't afford to pay a lot to be connected. On the issue of fake news, he said the company hadn't really understood the extent of Russian information operations, but they do now, and they'll certainly be on the alert. There are two stories that might at this point count as evergreen. First, the recent minor and swiftly-contained WannaCry appearance in Boeing's networks prompts observers to warn again about the risk of cyberattack against airline avionics, with the potential for disastrous disruption of flight systems. And second, there are fresh warnings of Russian ships appearing in the vicinity of the transoceanic cables, on which so much international and even domestic communication depends. Concerns about this have been raised several times over the past two years, especially in the United Kingdom, and the worries appear to be spreading. And finally, in the case of alleged NSA leaker reality Winner, the defense appears to be planning to drag in as many parties as possible. Politico reports that on Friday, Ms. Winner's lawyers filed an intention to subpoena representatives of the 21 states that the Department of Homeland Security formally notified last year of targeting by Russian hackers. They also intend to subpoena a number of well-known cybersecurity firms and news services to testify, including Trend Micro, FireEye, CrowdStrike, Velexity, F-Secure, ThreatConnect, Motherboard, SecureWorks, and Fidelis Cybersecurity. The Defense has also asked for records and testimony from the Central Intelligence Agency, the Department of Defense, the National Archives, the National Security Council, the Office of Director of National Intelligence, the Department of Homeland Security, and the White House. Prosecutors call this an unchecked phishing expedition that would constitute an oppressive and frivolous waste of government resources. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program
0: Plus, Strata's modular architecture makes it easy to integrate with any identity provider without manual maintenance and coding. Join the ranks of cybersecurity leaders using identity orchestration. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your top identity security priorities, and receive a pair of complimentary AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees step into a new era of identity management at strata.io/cyberwire
1: and i'm pleased to be joined once again by malek ben salem she's the r&d manager for security at accenture labs she's also a new america cybersecurity fellow Malek, welcome back. Uh, you and I have been making our way through some tips for uh, getting ready for deployment of uh, cryptography. We talked about some short-term plans last time we spoke, and uh, today we're going to look a little more at the long picture. W- what tips do you have uh, for looking at your long-term plans?
2: Yeah, so uh, we were talking about uh, post-quantum cryptography and, and getting ready for that. Uh, one thing that companies can do in the long run is establish a process to verify the uh, maturity of post-quantum crypto algorithms. We know that today, uh, NIST has already launched a project to evaluate post-quantum crypto algorithms for public key encryption. As a matter of fact, they having uh, their first conference in April in Florida to review some of those uh, proposed algorithms, which will go through a three to five year evaluation process probably. So in three to five years, we may have a recommendation or a standard by NIST, uh, which companies can start deploying. By that time, companies should establish a process to verify the maturity of that algorithm. Is it it still being under development or is it already endorsed by NIST or by uh, ISO or some other uh, standardization um, body? Um, They should have an understanding of the degree of integration of that algorithm's Uh, and the degree of adoption of that algorithm by companies like Apple, Microsoft, or Intel. And then they should decide for themselves whether they should be early adopters or not. So we know that quantum computing technology, at least the way it's going to pose a threat to crypto, is not going to happen at least in 10 to 15 years, right? That's by most um, optimistic accounts. Hmm. But for companies that have to, or that are archiving long-term data... Uh, meaning that they have data that needs to be secured for in the long run, they would probably want to encrypt that data in advance using these post-quantum crypto algorithms so that they're not exposed, that data is, doesn't get exposed. So if they have that type of data, then they may need to adopt early those types of uh, post-quantum crypto algorithms.
1: We've heard stories where uh, nation-states in particular have started gathering up data, even though it's encrypted and they can't decrypt it now. Uh, with the hope that sometime in the future they will be able to decrypt it.
2: Exactly, exactly. And that's what companies should be aware of, and they should be planning for that. If if they have data that needs to be uh, safe in the long run, well, they should upgrade uh, their key lengths at least today. Um, the second step that they need to uh, think about or they, they need to go through is once they've un- identified the post-quantum crypto algorithm to deploy, then they'll have to define which applications will be affected. You know, you have mime, you have SSL, SSH, uh, VPN, uh, obviously, you know, long-term data archiving. You may have authentication systems that have to be, uh, that will be affected. So it's important to identify all of those applications, all of those communications channels, and then decide, again, the keys and the certificates that have to be renewed and within which time.
1: All right. So, as we've been discussing, you're really trying to get ahead of the game rather than uh, finding yourself having to play catch up.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: All right. Malek Ben Salem, as always, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you, David.
0: And that's the Cyberwire.